We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 143 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I'm Joe Musso bringing you the latest and greatest from the world of sports. Um, Matt, I know last week we talked about it a little bit. We are in we are in a, a little bit of the downturn here the before, we hit, before we hit March Madness. I mean, there is some good college basketball going, some NBA storylines emerging as we do get closer to the playoffs, uh, but a lot of little pop-up stories around the league. So we're going to come at this one a little differently. We're going to you know, hit a, hit a couple of the top stories here. Talk a little bit of Blackhawks trade deadline or lack thereof. Gross. Uh, let Matt exercise those demons. Yeah, and then uh, we're going to jump right into some buy or sell. We're going to go heavy buy or sell today, and just you know, hit all those little uh, ancillary storylines and uh, get you guys on your way here for episode one forty three. But Matt, as we always begin, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good. There, there's an ancillary storyline. The nice word I just stole it from you. To, I there wanted you to bring up here. It's it's. For Matt, me, it's kind of the it's Matt's word of the week. Matt's, Matt's word, word of the week. Of the week. It's, I mean, think that means like sort of minor ish. Um, sure. Yeah. It's secondary. Con- secondary, secondary yeah. connected tangentially off to the side, somewhat. It's uh, it's it's kind of the elephant in the room for me, and it's it's been on my head since about uh, since since about five o'clock or so last night. Mm-hmm. How'd you hit him yesterday? Um, You're on the course. If, if, if you don't follow Joe on Instagram, he filmed his, his Insta- uh, himself swinging a golf club on the tee. Hit the course yesterday. I'm swung jealous. It, How'd you hit him? Swung it really well. Um, that had to be a first-ish round of the year, right? Yes, first round of the year. I'd been going to the range a couple of times, so not first swings in a while. Did you get an 18th? Um, I no. I went out uh, with every intention of just hitting balls at the range. Um, you know, I'm sitting on the tailgate of the car, and I'm like, it's not that cold out. Let me go nah, see what it is. It. Let me go see what it is at the uh, pro shop instead of uh, a bucket of balls. Was I think. Uh, a large bucket was fifteen dollars, fourteen dollars, mm-hmm. and it was eighteen to walk um, because the, this joint. I was like, "What's it to take a cart out?" Yada yada. See how many holes I can get in. And he goes, "Well, we stop. Uh, we stop letting carts go at three o'clock. It was like three twenty-four. He's like, "If you want to hoof it, it's seventeen dollars." I was like, "All right." So there you go. Walked, uh, walked, got about thirteen holes in. Um, I actually jumped over a couple fairways, so I played the twelfth. And then walked over to 18T and played 18 coming home. Interesting um, that they, they have a time limit on carts. I don't think I've ever heard of that before. I think it was just because like they're bare bones staff right now, so okay. they didn't want that to get sense. out of there. They didn't want to have to wait for a cart to come in. They didn't care if I was there alone. Makes there were sense. like four people on the course total. Here's the um, keys, man. Just Lock it up. All lunatics, but yeah, getting to know. Glad I walked because getting to know the new local track. Mm-hmm. Potentially the new home course. Okay, um, a lot of good bones. Uh, Great undulations, some very northeastern features, a couple tee boxes that were rounded off with some cobblestone and whatnot. So, oh, you love that. Um, yeah, you play from the top of the hill down to the bottom, then you kind of play a couple tough par fours back up the hill. I mean, it was good stuff. So enjoyed it. Great to swing it. Um, hit a couple good shots. Hit a good number of bad shots. But uh, That's going to happen in, you know, the, in February when you're getting some swings. These are all bonus swings. At this largest point. takeaway is um, the glutes are – firing right now they are there are some sore legs because you know mm-hmm. i was trying to get in as much as i could before darkness settled in yeah. so i was speed walking yeah and, I mean, you're, and you're speed walking with a golf ball you got some weight on we it. are we are we woke up tender your, this your, morning, your dogs friend. are barking a little bit we woke up 10 not so much the feet but like need got, to need a glute we're uh we're fired up right we now. know what you got to do you get you got to go for you know maybe a little jog get out the roller roll it out mm-hmm. get the lactic acid out there work it out of there we're gonna we're gonna stretch roll and steam today i think yeah. that's gonna be the uh the extent of the workout well, i think it's your sunday of the work week so yeah it's, it's uh, a relaxing it day yeah 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 i like uh you've now justified me being lazy for the day so that's good what, what do you uh, think i do with myself every day justify being lazy yeah that's what i do best <laughs> well, speaking of justifications here, Matt, um, can you make any for the Chicago Blackhawks? The NHL trade line, trade deadline has come and gone. One of the more active deadlines we've seen across the league in the past few years. Um, a couple bigger names, a lot of mid-level names, mm-hmm. uh, changing sweaters, heading new places, moves that uh, don't necessarily reconfigure the balance of power in either conference, but, you know, a couple teams bolstered their lineups as they look towards the postseason. But 
Blackhawks stand pat and then kind of in the 23rd hour move the future of the goaltending position in Chicago and get back little. Um, yeah, that, so, that was uh, weird. I, the the Gustafson trade, I, I, I guess right now, or when they, they did it a couple hours before the deadline, I, mean, I guess now that's fair value for them. But the problem with that stems back to, I've said it multiple times on this podcast, people watch the Blackhawks closely, right? quite even not that closely said, you know, the time to trade him was last year's deadline when he knew you weren't going yeah. to the playoffs or this offseason when he was coming off a 60-point season and had, you know, a year left at one point, you know, two, uh, 1.2 million cap hit, which is nothing. That's that's when you could have sold high on him. That's when yeah. you could have gotten a big-time prospect or a first-round pick or, hell, if you really loved William Nylander, you could have gotten William Nylander and held on to your former first-round pick and Henry Yokiharyu instead of shipping him off. So that's the problem there. Um, Robin Leonard, I, I mean, I, I don't fault them for trading him because I think that they weren't sure he was going to be back. And if, if they wanted to try and get as many assets as they could back, sure, trade everything you can. But then they went and held on to a bunch of other assets they could have traded and quite honestly probably didn't get enough back for Robin Leonard, um, especially if reports are true. And he's pretty much said it, that he was willing to sign a three-year contract extension with the Blackhawks. Or, and didn't know, they lowball him or something like that? Or no, they, well, they Stan, never even came Stan to said he never got the – they, it was basically said they never gave him an offer. He never got an offer, which I, I don't know the ins and outs of those negotiations. Excuse me. Maybe they had discussions and there was no formal offer. I don't know. But if Robin Leonard was willing to sign a three-year deal with you, you probably could have. I would have said I would have given him nine million a year because that's yeah. obviously a little bit more than he's worth. Like, all right, you're going to play ball with and me. I'll play ball with you. I, you I know, like I'm Corey not, Crawford a lot. I was so I'll, say, I'll, 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 uh, let me finish this, and you, yeah, yeah. And then you go into. I love Corey Crawford. He's actually playing his best hockey of the year right now. Um, up until the last game in St. Louis, he gave up six, but I mean that wasn't really his fault. His defense was terrible. Before that, he'd allowed you know I think three or less goals in like five straight five or six consecutive starts. He's playing great. He's going to be thirty six when next season starts, and he has a you know he has a concussion history. So this gets you back to the same problem you were at the beginning of the year, and. You know, we have a great number one, but he's old and, you know, is one knock on the head away from sitting out the year. So that begs the question to me, Matt, is if you were looking to move a goalie and a team's looking for someone to wear the towel around their neck and be ready when their Mm -hmm. goalie goes cold in the, you know, in the Western Conference semis, per se, isn't Corey Crawford the guy? You Corey know? Crawford I mean, with, is with the, with the I postseason. Love, I love medal, the guy with the cups to his name. I mean, if now, you're gonna be if you're gonna be um, if you're gonna be sentimental about your players, I mean, that's what's gotten us into this position with handcuffing yourself with the Seabrook contract and trading away the wrong guys, and this just feels like a it does it, it feels weird in two ways to me. You move the wrong guy. And you're now being sentimental about players when you shouldn't be. I, yeah, I don't it's know. It, I, I just it, it. The sentimental thing is very legitimately true, and I mean you can see that in some of the contract, essentially the Brent Seabrook contract. But then, you know, bringing back certain guys, bringing back Andrew Shaw, bringing back Brandon Saad, who hasn't you know quite lived up to it, and you traded Artemi Panarin for him. Uh, you know, bringing back um, Johnny Oduya a couple of years. They, they love sentimentality and they love anyone who's ever brought them a cup and think somehow that they can automatically recapture that, even though every good organization in sports has shown you it's better to cut a, you know, cut a guy a year too early than a year too late. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. Corey Crawford probably should have been the guy to go because I can't imagine that Corey Crawford, the way he's playing and Vegas being a team that's not probably not bringing back Robin Leonard in the offseason, they're not going to be able to afford him wouldn't have been interested in a guy playing just as good of hockey with Stanley Cup experience um, for that, you know, limited price tag of a second round pick, a likely career backup goalie who, you know, still has a little bit of upside, I guess, and a lottery ticket of a prospect. Um, it's It just goes back. Stan Bowman doesn't really, over the last you know, four or five years, hasn't really had much foresight. He, he's never really looking ahead. He says and he is, but he's pretty much just making moves for the here and now. And quite honestly, how- I'm not sure there's a plan. How do things go from now? There's there are management. There's management. There are front offices that have track records of an ineptitude. And I mean, you could give Garin Pax a little bit of credit a decade ago. Um, I mean, Derek Rose fell into your lap. Good for you. Mm-hmm. There, there's no real like. There's no real applause to be given there. Um, but in any sport, usually management 
is good, bad, or somewhere in between. And I know that seems very general, but I'm making the point to say, how does it go from making every right decision with Bowman, the front office, to every wrong decision in a matter of seven years? Like, it feels like Quite honestly, Joe, they haven't been making every right decision for kind of a while now. I mean, 15, yes. 15, they may, if we go back, I mean, I'm going back. But all of years. the decisions that led up to the cup runs, yeah. all of those decisions, and yeah. they had to make a couple tough ones in there, um, but it seems like they got it right. In summation, they got it right. It led to three cups. Now they're making decisions that seem like they're getting you further and further away from being not a cup contender, but a competitive hockey club. I mean, you, you go back to really since 2015, since so the, the last move they made that year, they got Antoine from that. They were only able to make that move because Patrick Kane broke his collarbone and freed up the cap space. Really, yeah. since then, there haven't been many right moves made. There have been a lot of, like you've been saying, I don't know how you get to that. I don't know if it's complacency. I don't know if it's panic, honestly, because after that Predators sweep in 2016, Stan kind of panicked a little bit, I, I think. And now you have kind of some contradictory statements from John McDonough. He was on ESPN 1000's hockey show the other day and basically said, you know, we know where we're at. This isn't unexpected. He didn't say the word rebuild, but kind of said like, we, we knew we were going to take a step back when a calendar year ago, when they fired Joel Quenville, he said, this is a playoff roster. So I don't really know yeah. what he means by that or what he's trying to say. I, I don't know. And it, it seems like the Blackhawks, I, I know that the Blackhawks, you know, front office think that they're smarter than you not you me everyone and and now it's kind of starting to come out even more and more that they think they are but it's it's really they're not and their moves like eric gustafson like i said was one that's been telegraphed since anyone who watched four games of blackhawks hockey last year knew what knew what the deal was with him and knew that hey we should move on from him even if you're just a casual fan and they decided to keep him for whatever reason they they, they don't really seem to be developing people all that well they John McDonough says, you know, we, we know we're in a rebuild, yet uh, when they lost to St. Louis, they healthy scratched their young defenseman, Lucas Carlson, they just brought up from Rockford, who played really not well the night before in favor of a journeyman enforcer defenseman, Nick Sealer, who played. Like, I, if you're trying to develop, if you're not trying to, if, not that you're not trying to win always, but if you're trying to develop, get the young core ready, why aren't you playing those guys? Yeah. Why isn't Adam Boakfist being allowed to play his game and clearly kind of has a leash on him when he's a 19-year-old number eight overall pick let the guy go if you're trying to develop it's yes. they're, they're they're talking out of both sides of their mouth here and it's really it feels, frustrating as a blackhawks fan because they're treating you like you're dumb yeah when, and it feels like it's getting to a breaking point and not that it already hasn't but like rock bottom being patrick kane requesting a trade that's like i feel like that's rock bottom that I would be rock like, bottom i don't think i really don't think it'll ever get to that because I, see, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say never because if you continue continue to be a non playoff team for the next five seasons, and I'm not saying it would even take that long, yeah. but Patrick Kane's they're all competitors, but Patrick Kane is a goal scorer who thrives in the limelight, mm-hmm. and there's no limelight to be had um, in Chicago right now. There's there's no opportunity for him to put his greatness on display. I, I can tell you that. There's a lot of I work with a lot of Islander fans and a lot mm-hmm. of Ranger fans now, and Islander fans were licking their chops, saying all we need to do is give up the farm for Kane, give up the farm. For-. So like people around the league obviously are talking about him, but yeah. he's looked at now as a potential target because of where the Blackhawks franchise is at. Now whether that view viewpoint is shared in Kane's camp or in in the Blackhawks front office is a different story, but even the fact that people think that he is an available commodity because of where the Blackhawks are at tells tells a lot about the franchise. It does. I, I don't think that's abnormal for people outside of Chicago or fan bases like that to think something like that might be realistic. I mean, three years ago we were talking about, before the, the Capitals won the Cup, we were talking about Alex Ovechkin being that guy too. Yeah. Um, that said, I don't think the three core members now, I think it's safe to say there's just three left. It's Kane, Taves, and Keith will play anywhere in their significant primes other than Chicago. It just doesn't seem like that from the, the way they talk, from the way they are with the media, the fans, whatever. I, I don't think they're going anywhere. But the fact, again, that you said it's it's even a question that has to be asked now 
when five years ago they were hoisting their third cup in you know six seasons. That tells you how bad this has gotten quickly. And there's, I mean, it's not on the players. They're going out and playing. Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves have played the best hockey of their careers the last two seasons. And the Blackhawks have had, you know, two of the worst seasons of their, of those two's, you know, they they have had the two worst seasons of those two's tenures. So that that should tell you the spot that management's put them in. And this list, these lists of trades, I can't read them all off, but I know there there have been a couple articles written. I know Mark Lazarus a couple months ago in The Athletic pretty much had every move Stan Bowman's made. I think in the last, uh, not in the entirety of his GM tenure, but like since 2015, and it's uh-huh. incredibly depressing. Yeah, uh, But it, um, it's getting to a point where you, you can't be the Bulls and Jerry Reinsdorf here and you know be more worried about loyalty than results. And I think this offseason, if things keep trending the way they are for the Blackhawks, they're going to start losing a lot of season ticket holders. Uh, and that's, I, I think, the one way to get them to make some change is money is more important than loyalty and should be in any business. Plenty of good seats still available yeah. for both residents in the Madhouse on Madison. Um, but Matt, we're going to... Fun time. Fun time we're to be gonna, a we're gonna United pivot. Center guy. We're going to pivot here to, I don't know, It's I was going to say a positive storyline, but Hopefully, it will be a positive storyline. But uh, we want to talk a little bit of Bears football, the NFL draft combine going on this week and weekend in Indianapolis. Are you a big Um, combine guy? You you, you paying attention? You keeping an eye on it? I'll have it on in the background like it's good white noise. Um, Which we'll call it. Was it Ruggs is supposed to break the 40-yard dash? So. Um, I want to see that. Uh, some of the, just to see the measurables is, is cool sometimes, yeah. but most of the big names like two is not throwing, Burrow's not throwing. Which no is, need to if you're going to make. Yeah, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to earn? What, what what are you going to do for your draft stock? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Um, two is not healthy enough to do it just yet, and Burrow. I mean, he's he's number. I'd throw and spike a couple balls so Cincinnati doesn't take me. But that's a oh really man, yeah, I whiffed on that one. Sorry. Um, but, uh, no, I bring it up because the bears again were questioned along, uh, the thought process, their, their thinking surrounding the quarterback position and whether you want to call it a double down, a triple down, a quadruple down, Ryan Pace doing exactly what he needed to do. Speaking confidence into Mitch Trubisky saying Mitch Trubisky will be our quarterback in 2020. Again, I don't really like this because Mitch has not deserved that, um, peace of mind. Mitch has not deserved, he has not earned um, that sort of support from the front office. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting decision to continue to do this. Um, I, they, I, I hope that, that they did not say that they weren't open to bringing in another quarterback. They obviously have to. Chase Daniels yeah. is backup. They have to bring in another quarterback, but does that mean they're going to bring in a Nick Mullins from San Francisco because C.J. Beathard's the backup there? Or does that mean that they're going to go get a – uh, Marcus Mariota, a Teddy Bridgewater, a Ryan Tannehill to push Mitch and possibly most likely take the job from him. Like there's there's multiple different directions you can go here, but the Bears once again putting their support and their chips behind Mitch Trubisky. Matt, your reaction to the statements before it, it just what it tells me is that this front office and they've. Again, we're talking a lot about front office mm-hmm. decision makers here, but they've made good decisions. They've made a large amount of bad decisions when it comes to personnel. I mean, they've gotten a few right with Eddie Jackson. I think you found a lot of value in Tariq Cohen, even though he was mm-hmm. misused last year. Um, you got it wrong with Adam Shaheen. Um, you know, so there's been, as it is always, there's it's, it's been hit or miss results on both sides of the coin here. How confident are you in this front office to go try and maximize in a draft where they don't have a lot of equity? You know, uh, I'm struggling with my confidence simply because of what you kind of just said. There have been examples. They've kind of done their best work in the later rounds, it seems mm-hmm. like. I mean, the, the, the gems they've all found, have, I mean, it's hard to call a first-round pick that hits a gem, but the, the success stories they've kind of hit seem to have come in the first round. Um, or I'm sorry, not come in the later rounds, not the first round, but I, I guess the thing that's kind of jumped out to me is the quarterback conversation. I'm, I'm trying to see why they're so adamant getting behind Mitch Trubisky, but I think you go back to the um, postseason press conference where both of them talked to you for 30 minutes, said they didn't make any decisions about firing any coaches, and then you know two hours later, four assistants were fired. I, I think this group kind of similar to, to what we just talked about with the Blackhawks front office kind of takes everyone else for being a little bit 
dummies sometimes like they're smarter than you they're not going to tell anything to you they're not going to tell you anything you don't need to know and i think right now they're just into commenting only about what's on the roster but i i would be absolutely shocked if there wasn't some sort of name come whether that's after the draft or after free agency on the roster that can compete with Mitch Trubisky not that they don't want him to win the job because they still might and I'm sure Ryan Pace still does want him to win the job but I think there will be a name whether that's a free agent whether that's a draft in the second or third round I think you're going to see a name on there that they like best case scenario what do you do with Mitch Trubisky next season let's say he comes in and he's not going to blow the doors off anyone let's put that out of the question Mm -hmm. he's not going to go out there and lead his team to a Super Bowl next year I just don't see it I don't see the confidence in Mitch Trubisky's eyes I don't see the ability in his body. I don't see the consistency put forth over the last four seasons that lead me to believe that he's going to do that. Best yeah. case scenario, contract-wise, what do the Bears do with Mitch Trubisky after, let's, you, say, let's say, a playoff-worthy season next year, okay. a divisional round bow-out, what happens with Mitch Trubisky? I mean, I think a lot of it is who is available at the time, who they draft, if they draft at some point this year, how high they are on them, and quite honestly, how well, it he can't looks. Be that. It can't be that because it's, it's a quarterback second. It's a quarterback lined up for his second contract in the NFL. So you either have to pay him out of your ears or you have to franchise tag him, which is going to cost you probably $35 million to keep him around for a year, $30 million to just, keep him around for a year. The franchise tag will be next year. Or you let him walk. Or you let him walk. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. What's your best case, my question what? is, what's your best case scenario? Because I'm letting him walk oh, right okay. now, unless the guy go gets a Lombardi. I mean, if he bows out in the division championship, that would mean, that, or division round, that probably means he was somewhat similar to the last year, if not maybe a or little bit mean, better, but not quite the year before. So yeah, you, you're probably defense, le- Or it means the defense led the league yeah, in turnovers again. Yeah, I, I think, again, you're, like I think you're very much go. probably letting him walk. I, I don't see why he would... I mean, he's going to still want it. He's getting what? Let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. What would because, it I mean, take, the best case scenario what would is it take, Super Bowl. What would it take next year for you to be on the front lines of the re-signed Mitch club? What would it take? I'd need at least one playoff win. And like, it, not a playoff win where they win 13-7 to seven and the defense plays out their ass and, and you know, Mitch maybe throws one touchdown but doesn't really do much and has one of his, you know, 17 for – 30 games where he throws for 160. No, I need like he plays well and is a big reason, maybe not the only reason, but a big reason why they want a playoff game. That would get me to the point where I'm going to the negotiating table. But if he's going to come in there and say he wants 25 a year after winning one important game, I'd probably tell him, all right, go get that and, and see what you can get out there. Even if he, I mean, even if he gets a playoff it's, it's win, which I would love to see. I, I can't give the kid anything more than like three years of the fourth that, year option. I, like, I would agree with like that. I'm not, talking, giving him, I'm not, not giving talking him seven, seven year years. No, no, no. 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 He, um, one year does not, I mean, for some team it might, which is why if that's what he wants, I'd say go ahead and if you can get that from somebody, great. Um, but one, you know, one good year doesn't really get you seven years as a quarter, yeah. as a quarterback, I guess might be the one position it might, but um, at least not here with a team where the Bears are have so much – talent in other positions and don't necessarily need to give the quarterback all that much money if they can find the right one. Uh, yeah. I, that doesn't make sense for the Bears to do. We, we got combine, so I want to give you a quick question. <laughs> no, it's, it's just a quick question on the quarterbacks here. Give me it. Because it seems like, obviously, after Burrow and Tua, there's a whole lot of you know gray area on who's going to go where and all that stuff. Justin Herbert's mm-hmm. kind of leaking up in that you know top echelon of QBs, but what, what what's the name that you would like to see fall to the Bears at you know forty three or fifty and have them take? Um, Jake Fromm is a little bit undersized. I used to be in love. Small with hands, that, Joe. Under that nine. freshman that freshman year. Not, no, just like his physical I know, stature. I know, I know. He's a little bit undersized. I, the, the hand um, size thing. I think it's, it's safe to say that Tua Burrow and Herbert will be gone. So then yeah. you're looking at that next group of quarterbacks which Jordan is Love, Jacob from, Eason, Jake from from Love, Eason and Hurts if you Jalen want to lump, Hurts. lump them in there. Jalen Hurts kind of Jalen Hurts would be okay, if there's a third scenario where the Bears don't go get Tannehill, uh Bridgewater or I mean what's their other option there? Why am I blanking? Tannehill Mariota. Bridgewater or Mariota in Jameis? I don't think that's happening either. But Tom let's Brady? Say they, don't, they don't go get a currently somewhat established quarterback yeah. to push Mitch. I don't want them drafting some late round nobody. 
get go get Hurts. Go get a name. Go get a guy. Go get Hurts. He fits the system. If the system is what it is, yeah. um, if you're going to try and go a little bit more, you know, let's say Baltimore Ravens than New England Patriots, like if you're going to get yeah. if you're going to get that way with your scheme a little bit, um, I, I, I like Jalen Hurts. I like I like everything that Jalen Hurts did last season with Oklahoma. I like his attitude. I like how he wanted to rip everyone's heads off because he felt a little bit disrespected. Mm-hmm. But I like that he didn't make a big deal about di- being disrespected. I like that he understood the the business nature of what he was dealing with even though it's collegiate sports it's a business and you know he did there wasn't a spot for him at alabama anymore um there wasn't an opportunity for him anymore everything he did told me that jalen hurts is going to go somewhere and add to a locker room whether or not he'll be the starting quarterback who knows but it, it but it might be the perfect situation where mitch trubisky doesn't feel threatened by a guy but at the same time, week seven, when Mitch's quarterback inter- – where his t- touchdown interception ratio is in the negative, it might be a guy who would come in and yeah. some snaps, you know? I think uh, it would be a perfect situation right there. I-, I don't know enough about Jacob Eason, and I think Jordan Love is a little bit slender, a little bit slight. I, I don't like that either. So if you're going to go get a quarterback and Jalen Hurts falls to you, I, I think that would be a fun, interesting um, addition to a locker room where – you know, he, there's some Alabama guys in the locker room already. He'd fit right in. I think that that would work in some ways. Yeah, I, Jordan Love. I'm really intrigued by the tools, and yeah. I was high on him uh, on hoping he would fall to the Bears um, a few months ago. But I'm starting to get to the point where we've we've done this. We've been down that road with the Bears before, and it's nothing against Jordan Love. He might very well might have a very good NFL career, but I don't want the Bears to pick a guy who's not necessarily a project, but a guy who we don't know everything about and we're just obsessed with the tools because last year he didn't have that good of a year even though a lot of his offensive line, his coaching staff was gone uh, from his previous year. I, I'm, I'm growing more and more to be with you on the Hurts uh, train. I, yeah, he's people been in two about- pro offenses. He's been around two pretty much pro coaching staffs at this point. He's played with pro talent. Yeah. He's played pretty much professional style type defenses in the SEC, not necessarily the Big 12. And he's smart. He's a very smart quarterback. He knows the process. He knows how to prepare. He's started multiple places. Like he's kind of everything. Mitch Trubisky going, wasn't going all the way back. Going all the way back to when Tua came in because he got hurt and won him that SEC championship game, and he yeah. was on the sideline supporting Tua, regardless of the fact that his job was in jeopardy. Like yeah. he's just everything he's done has been right. Um, yes. off the field, on the field, he's fantastic. I don't know. You know, he's going to have to dial back the run game and how good of a passer that's is fine. he is kind of the question that's the, up in the, the Bears air, don't need him to be an elite no. passer. They need him to be an accurate no. They don't have an elite passer right exactly. now. Exactly. So. They, they need him to be <laughs> they need him to be not quite Alex Smith, but Alex Smith in his prime would be like this team is yeah. a Super Bowl contender. Like that's that they don't need the elite quarterback that's going to make 40 million dollars when he's granted it would be nice. Patrick Mahomes would be great. But they like that's not exactly what they're looking for. And the, the and other name that I'm the, intrigued by too you said is Jacob Eason simply because yeah. he he's he reminds me a lot of Cutler. And I think I'm not the only one to make this comparison. He's got insane arm talent. He's got a lot of talent. He's he's got a lot of swagger. Um but I don't he's trust a little, Washington he's a little, quarterbacks. That's fair. He's a little bit of a cowboy sometimes. And maybe yeah. that's not not a Dallas cowboy, but you know go, goes rogue a little bit. No, not terribly afraid of taking risks which not necessarily what that bears defense needs a lot of people are making the comparison with jordan love like top 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 end comparison to pat mahomes which i think is so far off um he's got crazy he's got crazy arm talent mm-hmm. but outside of that I, I don't know um that's just again like you said a project so essentially I think, need, I think they need to i think that if you're going to draft a quarterback late it needs to be the most out of the wrapper ready to go guy and that's jalen hurts i would agree um, and this is a reminder that we know absolutely nothing, people, and pretty much nobody else does. Yeah, either. but neither do the people making that's the what decisions. I, that's what I said. So, nobody else you know, does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, like, what is it about Chicago right now? Cubs don't, don't have any money. Socks are back. Socks are back. Front office made some moves in the offseason. That's literally the only, literally the only fan base that doesn't have a right to. That's happy right now. That doesn't Everyone have the right to berate their management right now is the White Sox. Yeah. The Bulls couldn't be any worse from an organizational standpoint. The Hawks have no idea what they're doing at the deadline. The Cubs don't have any money. The Bears, who the hell knows? Uh, it's just, I feel like. We were talking about on this podcast not too long ago how great of a time it was to be a Chicago. Uh, literally fan. a year ago, or in a, like 
this time after the Bears were kind of eliminated from the from the uh, from the playoffs on the double doink, we're talking about how you know the Bears are in such great shape. You know, the Cubs were coming off a tough playoff loss, but still had you know a, a great core in line. The Sox were up and coming. The Blackhawks still had those guys and didn't seem terribly far off. And now it's just yeah, one. It's amazing the difference a year makes. It's getting some buy or sell. I'm sad now. Okay, well, we talked about – I'm, I'm going to get you happy. You're a Sox guy. We're going to talk White Sox here. I'm going to talk about the one good fan base we have going here, the, okay. the, one, the one happy fan base we have going. Excuse me. Um, reports of a possible contract extension being negotiated with Yohan Moncada uh, starting to surface on Twitter. It was the, the same guy who I saw had it as the same guy who had the early reports on a Luis Robert extension, which obviously came to fruition. Um Moncada said, you know, he's liked it here. He's, he lets his agent kind of handle that, whatever. But it, it seems like that's at least being talked about. So I'm going to ask you, buy or sell a Yohan Moncada contract extension before opening day? So that's a, a month from yesterday. Um, buy or sell in the sense that I buy that it happens or buy or sell in the sense that I want it to happen? Both. Um, buy that I want it to happen, sell that I think it happens. Okay. These things take time. You yeah. know, it, it, and there's no rush to get it done. He's under contract, but... It's baseball. He's under contract money, through twenty three or twenty four. Yeah, I believe, money so. money has no money has no meaning in baseball. If your owner's got it, spend it. Like just just go out there and put together the best lineup possible. Do I think Yohan Moncada is an integral part to the White Sox having one of the better lineups in the league, or mm-hmm. at least one of the top nine starters aside in the league, like starting pitching aside? One hundred percent. Absolutely. Sign him up for the sign him up for the next ten years and see what he can be because he showed signs both defensively and offensively of being an all-star. You know, like he, I think that, I think that he could very well be a perennial all-star. And if you have a chance to lock him up for decent money, do it right now, do it yesterday. Yeah. Um, I, I buy, I buy the fact that I want it done, but I do sell the fact, not because I, I don't think it's going to happen. I sell the fact because sometimes these deals, sometimes agents and organizations use spring training as you know, the playing field to see where everyone's at. Like, let's let's float an idea out there, see where we're at numbers-wise. It's spring training. There's no pressure right now on the players at the plate. There's no pressure right now in the organization to get anything done. Let's just see where all parties are at, and then let's reconvene. I think they'll reconvene somewhere hopefully early in the season and get it done. Yeah, you, you covered a lot of the things I was pretty much going to comment on too, but that's good because I asked you about it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to take the same answer. I'm going to buy that uh, I want it to happen. I'm not sure it does happen quite before opening day, but I think you'll see it happen this year because usually when there's smoke about these things, especially with these mm-hmm. White Sox contracts extensions, pretty much every one of these, not early buying out of the years, but these buying out of the years contracts that they've come to agreement with on their young guys, uh, pretty much every time a report surfaced about one of them being true, they've been true and happened, came to fruition. So I have no reason to believe at some point this year, Moncada doesn't sign that extension because I don't think he'd be talking about it. I don't think the team would have let it leak out if they weren't pretty confident it was going to happen. Uh, Matt, I'm going to take you back to the NFL here for, with my first buy or sell. Or a, football has made, a lot has been made about obviously Tom Brady's free agency and the longer it goes – you know, the more opportunity for people to float little stories about how you know mm-hmm. he's not happy, he's going here, he's going there. One of the teams he's been connected to is the Las Vegas Raiders. Let me get that right. The That's Las Vegas Raiders. Very weird, weird to say. But it feels like every quarterback free agent has been attached to them because, you know, the Davises, they'll do anything. And it really feels like there's no love lost with uh, – with John Gruden and any of his players. So yeah. uh, despite him being neighbors with Derek Carr in Las Vegas, Derek Carr's job is by no means locked up. Buy or sell, Derek Carr is the Raiders' starting quarterback week one of next year's NFL season. I'm going to go out a limb and I'm going to sell. Um, I don't okay. necessarily think Tom Brady's going to Oakland. I think it's still going to be New England or Tennessee. Um, that said, it just they've never really seemed to like each other. There's always been reports of tension there. Carr isn't Gruden's guy, and from what we've seen, the one thing we've seen that's been consistent since John Gruden has taken over again at Oakland again is he wants his guys in there. And I, I would be surprised if they don't go out and draft somebody in uh, a quarterback, a name in, in this year's draft. I know they have what three first-round picks again or two first-round picks, something like that. So they're gonna mm-hmm. they're going to do some maneuvering. I think they'll end up with a quarterback on their roster. And I think at some point they, they do part ways with Derek Carr. They try and sell, not high on him, but get something back for him, recoup some draft picks and, and bolster other areas. 
um, because it just it, it doesn't seem like that's a relationship that Gruden's ever wanted since they started this. Yeah. Um, last year, there were weeks of success where Derek Carr and John Gruden seemed to be on the same page. Derek Carr's, Derek Carr's a hard worker, and if you've ever been around him, he speaks nothing but positive. Po- nothing but positivity comes out of his mouth. He is a God-fearing man who says all the right things, and they're genuine. He's coming mm-hmm. from a genuine place. It's hard not to love the guy. It's hard not to want to have him in your locker room. But John Gruden and which we call it Mayock are pragmatic guys. They're going to make the right decision. They're going to make the decision. They're not, let, me, let me not say they're going to make the right decision. Uh-huh. They're going to make the decision that they believe is right for their team, regardless of their relationship with the players. And I think that Derek Carr is going to fall victim to that in the not-too-distant future. I is, think that they're going to move on. I think that they want this thing to be, you know, in this is year this is year three now of Gruden, yeah. this will be. This will be third. You know, you're a third of the way, a little bit less than a third of the way through this 10-year contract. He wants to start seeing it reflecting his image. And mm-hmm. last year's draft was a large part of that, stretching for Cleveland Farrell, going to get Josh Jacobs, uh, getting a lot of value in Crosby. They did a great job with their picks last year. Um, Abrams in the back end who got hurt. Hurt, but he was having two, a good year. But he was having a fantastic year. He's going to be a great piece. I think that they've made good decisions right off the bat, and this is the biggest one they have yet to make. And I think that John Gruden believes that he's not going to win a Super Bowl unless he moves on to a quarterback that he believes in. So let, let um, me ask you a bonus buy or sell that question then here. This is early for a bonus. One to buy or sell Derek Carr's a name for the Bears that you would be interested because and because totally you've been out there covered him a little bit. Totally buy it. He's Mitch Trubisky. He's Mitch Trubisky four years from now. Um, he's taller Mitch Trubisky, but I think that both of them has this, have the same top end ability. Okay. Something something short of like I think one playoff win is both of their top Fair enough. Uh, top ability. I, I don't see either of them ever being a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Um, I think both of them make shoddy decisions at times. I think that I think that the one place that you upgrade if Derek Carr is your quarterback and not Mitch Trubisky, it's the leadership aspect. And not to say Mitch isn't a, you know, hey, let's go get him, guys. We've seen his rah-rah moments. But I think that Derek Carr imparts a calm that Mitch Trubisky does not right now. That would be okay. the biggest upgrade. Right? Okay. From a physical standpoint, from a decision-making standpoint, I think it's a very similar quarterback. All right. Uh, my question for you now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Going to talk little hoops here. Um, this might be a sensitive subject for you because I know you had a bet placed earlier on this year on the Sixers over under win total, which was 54 and a half. That is correct. Joel Embiid now going out last night, I think it was with a shoulder. Ben Simmons on the shelf and definitely yep. with a back. They yep. are 36 and 23. I think I know your answer here because we touched on it a little bit, but buy or sell, Joe. You're a little worried about that over-under total. Um, We're still bringing gambling into the pot. I'm going to buy that I'm worried about it, and I'm going to try and sell that ticket if anyone's anyone's crazy. Propswap.com, Joe. Propswap. Anybody want to give me $10 for it? Because uh, I'm going to start saving some money here to pay that bet. Um, Yeah, I was heavy on on the Sixers preseason. Um, I stand behind my decision, but crazy things happen in the NBA. Injuries happen. Um, sometimes teams don't get on the same page. I maintain that the Philadelphia 76ers, if healthy and um, at, if they're at full strength and if they find their groove, they're the toughest team in the Eastern Conference. Boston's looked really good lately. Milwaukee's obviously a juggernaut right now. I, I think it's hard to argue with Milwaukee not being the best team in the Eastern Conference, but if there's a team that matches up with them best, it's mm-hmm. the Philadelphia 76ers. I still believe in them. I don't believe that they're going to get my bet across the line here because they can only lose, I believe, four more games the rest of the way. Uh, and being in the position that they're at right now with probably gonna ben, be, yeah. ben Simmons is being reevaluated in two weeks, and if Joel Embiid misses any sort of significant time, they're going to lose those four games in the next two weeks. So Nine and um, 21 on the road. How do you? How yeah, do you and, do that? And I believe twenty three and two at 27 home. Twenty seven and two at home. Twenty seven and two. Excuse Wild. me. Um, yeah, uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I'm, I'm liking uh, my Celtics pick, Joe. But that's uh, yeah. Celtics have looked good these last couple of weeks. Jason Tatum's rounding into MVP form. Um, I asked the question on one of our shows. We were looking at uh, MVP long odds, and we didn't have Jason Tatum on the board. This was right before the All Star break. I go, Can we get some Tatum odds because guy feels like he's headed the right direction and. 
I think he's got so like he's five got 30, I think games to 30 plus. Yeah, I think it was 36 plus now in the last three. You don't want to say yeah. something like that. Yeah, she was playing good ball. Yeah. Playing good ball. Can't be mad at him. But uh, glad you had to bring that up. I'm going to move on now, Matt. Buy well, it was just a, way, a funny way to get us into some hoop stuff. We're a golf podcast. We're a golf true. podcast. We are. Um, We've always they said are that. They are on to the East Coast on the PGA Tour. Uh, Florida Swing starts now with the uh, Honda Classic uh, at – where is it now? It's at, it's at Jack's Place, right? Yeah. But, uh, um, let's double check that. You, you, you talk. You fill. Bay Hill? Is it at Bay no, Hill? No, Bay Hill's Arnie's place. Bay Hills, Bay Hills are always right for the uh, Memorials. Jack's place. PGA National, uh, PGA National. Jack design. Jack was on the design team at PGA National, but it's in Florida. Uh, Florida Swing starts. Matt, buy or sell? Or actually, buy one, sell one. Okay. West Coast Swing, California Swing, East Coast Swing, Florida Swing. Uh, I'm buy gonna, one, sell one. Uh, I'm. Uh, this is kind of easy for me. I'm going to buy the Florida Swing, sell the California Swing. Not that I don't. Wow. Love, I don't. Not that I don't so like the California make it clear, Swing. Just to make it clear, you're selling on Pebble Beach. You're selling on Riviera. You're selling on what else are you selling Torrey on Pines. out there? You're selling on Tory Pines. You're selling on. Let, can you let me talk? Some tracks out there. Hey, I just want to put I'm, that out. I'm not buying some tracks down in Florida. PJ National. TPC Sawgrass. TPC Sawgrass. Bay Hill. I'm not oh, buying okay. some tracks down there. Okay. Um, I, I'm buying Florida simply because this is. This is when you kind of start to feel the ramp up to Augusta a little bit. Yeah, Obviously, Bay, Bay Hill is is always you know right before Augusta or two weeks before Augusta, whatever. But this is when it starts to feel a little bit more real when when you know they start to get a little bit more competitive. Riviera, you get that a little bit too. Torrey Pines is kind of right out of the gate. You don't always have the big names. Obviously, Tiger was there, but that's kind of the first one where you start to see some big names in it. But I mean, Pebble. As much as I love seeing Pebble on TV, and I do. It's you know it's a pro am. It's not really. I mean, it's a tournament where guys are pretty much just out there playing golf, kind of having more fun, not necessarily yeah. competing. As much as I love seeing those courses, the competition at these Florida tournaments. I mean, especially the players. I mean, we, we, everyone kind of widely sees the players as the unofficial fifth major. Um, I, that's as fun of a tournament as there is for me to watch. So yeah, I, I'm going to buy the Florida Swing, not necessarily because the courses are better, but because I think the competition is better, and this is where the build up to, you know, the best tournament of the year. Uh, starts all right you make a you make a compelling case yeah thank you from a from a strictly from a strictly course standpoint i think i buy the west coast right? oh if, if, so I, coast. if we're just if talking which three it. courses i'm getting to play i would take the yeah. west coast i have main, okay. mainly because pebbles on it but yep. i've played tory pines too that's a that's a great track um it, not even a humble brag. That's just a brag. Just a straight brag. Um, and yeah, Riv- Riviera would be awesome to play. But uh, if we're talking about actual tournament competition, what I get to watch, Florida, if I'm talking about three courses I get to play, yeah, I'm, I'm going West Coast. All right, hit me. Um, Wilder Free- Fury uh, was Saturday night. Fury pulling off the slight upset win. Um, first, off, do, do you buy or sell the the forty pound costume excuse from from Wilder? No, there? bonus buy. No, I don't I, buy that. I, I, I don't, don't buy that. Apparently, he um, said on a Joe Rogan podcast like a couple months ago he regularly trains with a forty five pound weight vest, so he's used to that. Um, that just strikes me as a guy whose head's not in the right place. Uh, I believe Wilder said he's going to exercise his rematch clause. So I'm going to ask you: buy or sell Wilder Fury three? I sell it. Give me really? Fury. Give me Fury and Joshua. I'm done with this one. So Deontay Wilder pr- showed. Deontay Wilder proved his detractors wrong uh, last weekend. He's a puncher, mm-hmm. and that's awesome, and that's great. And you know, it's there's a place for it, and there always will be a place for it. The guy with the knockout ability, and we mm-hmm. knew it. It was either going to be Wilder by knockout. Fury by decision, it wasn't. It was Fury by TKO. He outboxed him so much that they had to throw in the towel. Like mm-hmm. this was this was an absolute masterclass by Fury. Now people are, and I hate to even reiterate these things because they are such damning accusations. But people are saying that he had loaded gloves on. Like it's it's something that's great. It's something that's gaining traction. There's videos of uh, Fury with his gloves appear very floppy as if his hand is not all the way into it as if there's something else packing between his hand and the end of the glove make of it what you may i i just don't think it's possible to do it they literally choose the gloves the night before they seal the bag they get the bag in the locker room with the officials there they mm-hmm. unseal the bag and they put them on their hands i don't know how i don't know what they could do to you know do this regardless he outboxed whether he had something in his gloves or not. He outboxed he outboxed Wilder 
to the umpteenth degree. I don't need to see that again. I just don't. So, I think I know how that's going to end again. It's either going to end with a wilder knockout early on, or Fury's going to outbox him and pick him apart again. That's exactly what's going to happen again. I, I, I don't. I don't need to see it again. The first one, if if the first one went the way of Wilder and the second one went the way of Fury, yes, give me a third. Third. First, first one was a draw. Perfect. We talked about this. I don't need to see a third one because it was a draw. You get a win. We know who's better now. So I guess take, my, my take it on to the next one. Give me ninety thousand people at Wembley Stadium between the two English fighters. Let me my my one question to you about that though is you said Joshua has a fight coming up in April. Uh-huh. Right, so do, your concern with the winner of this fight facing Joshua at some point, so that being their next fight, is the timing of it because the timing might not quite match up. Is that still a concern for you, or are you still all fully on board with you know do whatever it takes? No, all we do is wait. boxing. All we do is wait. Okay, let, well, I was because you, you brought that up for a as few a weeks, Get back in a training camp around April, and then they both gear up for like a July August fight or something okay. like that. Or there's always a big, there's always a big September fight or something like that. Okay. Uh, because if you do do if you do do Wilder Fury three, that throws off the timeline as well. Because yeah, then so. they're when when are you fight? When is that mm-hmm. fight happening? Um, so it, basically, at some point, they're going to have to someone's going to have to wait a little while. And basically, do that. I don't need to see Deontay Wilder fight anyone anymore. Quite like honestly, I, too, you know, if you do go Wilder Fury three and Wilder does win that, aren't you kind of locked into a fourth because they're now one one and one? Yeah, I, so, which I don't need to see. No one again. It doesn't seem like many people need to see that. But there's 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 a handful of really entertaining heavyweights, and I want to see them all fight each other. I'm going to take your word for it, because right. I don't know boxing uh, as well as you do. And I, whatever heavyweights you tell me, I should want to watch. I'm going to want to watch those. Uh, Matthew, I'm going to take it back to baseball here for another buy or sell. It's actually going to be an over under, not a buy or sell. Uh, the over under set at I believe 83 hit by pitches this season for the Houston Astros. They've already been plunked three times uh, here in spring training. Yesterday's looked pretty intentional. Uh, the other one, the first one was a breaking ball that hit out mm-hmm. to me, in the, but couldn't have been an intentional. Uh, buyers are over under 83 hit by pitches. Uh, I'm going to go over um, because okay. there are, I, I know they said they're going to have, you know, a zero tolerance thing and, you know, managers have already been warned by Manfred, but you can't really toss a guy for a curveball in the back, and I think you'll see some some curveballs hit the back early on. I just with the way spring training has already started, I would be very surprised if there's not over eighty three. I mean, that's one every other game. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you're gonna see a lot of people taking shots at the Astros. I, I'd sell on this just because league average last year, I believe, was in the sixty two area. And I don't see them getting 20 more bean balls than the league average from a year ago. Um, I, it, it's gonna, it's gonna be something. It's gonna be something that we see, and I think that it's gonna die down. Teams are trying to win baseball games, and there's only so many opportunities that present a free, you know, no sort of impact on the outcome of the game opportunity to plunk a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't see them. 20 more times than usual getting hit by pitches. I think that's one of the easier, you know, fade Joe public here and go under on that one. <laughs> you heard it here first, people. Fade Joe. Fade Joe. Yes. Fade Joe said it. Um, I got one more for you. Um, hit me. Have you ever been to prison, Joe? Uh, I have not been to prison. Okay, so I, that would lead me to believe you've never held up a prison in a hostage situation. No. Okay, not. well, a five-hour long – I'm going I'm to read a quick blurb here. A five-hour long hostage situation at an Irish prison was successfully diffused yesterday uh, after an armed inmate gave up his weapon in exchange for a Mars bar. The prison oh, wow. of Mars bar. Do people know what the, for the people who don't know what a Mars bar is? I'm looking at a picture of it now. It basically looks like a Milky Way. Um, the prison was poor placed man's in, Milky Way. Poor man's Milky Way was placed into lockdown after two inmates seized a fellow prisoner and took him hostage in a cell. The two assailants reportedly threatened to cut off their victims' ears with a knife if their demands for tobacco, Swiss rolls, and Mars bars were not met. Wow! So they got I me. Mean, that's that's terrible. Drive a hard they, only got, they only got one of the three. Um, the prison's emergency control and restraint team subsequently entered the lengthy into lengthy negotiations. <laughs> With the men before persuading we can do a Mars them. bar. Pers- I can give you a Mars bar and half a Swiss roll. Uh, persuading <laughs> Would them to hand over their weapon in exchange for a Mars bar. <laughs> Joe, right. buy, buy or sell the the decision. First off, you have to buy the negotiating from the side of the prison guards. That's they came away with uh, only having to give up one of the three. Big, Big win, win for them. Buy or sell the decision to uh, 
cave on just the Mars bar. And a little, little bonus question, not even a buy or sell. What's your de- if you're holding up somebody in prison, you're holding a hostage situation. What's your demand here? What what do you what do you what are you doing? I don't think you can ever cut off a guy's ear. I don't think you got the no. But to do I think it, but. we, I think we, I think we underestimate you know the uh, the taste for chocolate when you just haven't had it. You know, you're in prison. All you can think about is that Mars bar. That Mars bar. Um, it's been on your brain for thirteen years in, now. I think that if anything, this teaches us that make a bigger ask. You know, if the, if you're gonna just ask for cigarettes, Mars bars, and what was the other one? Swiss rolls. Swiss rolls. You're gonna come at them with like two cheap gas station treats. If your if your demands can all be got it can be bought at the Sitco, you need to shoot higher. You you really need to aim higher. Like I need a steak dinner. I like you got to make the guards work for it a little bit. So when they do lowball you, you're still getting a nice mm-hmm. little takeaway here. You end up with a Mars bar and probably you're gonna have to eat it in solitary confinement. I think it's a loss. So. I don't. I don't know if this is uh, if it's because like maybe Mars bars and Swiss rolls are you know more popular over in the UK, but they asked for basically like the B version of each of those products. If you're gonna go that, ask for a Milky Way. Ask Milky for a Way. Hobo. Like don't. Yeah. I don't know what, what types of tobacco they were asking for. I'm not a tobacco person, so I'm not going to dive into that. But they're, they're asking for the B-team version of the products they want. Like, at least at least step it up to the Milky Way and the Ho-Ho. But I'm with you. Like, start it. Get me get me out of prison. Work your way down to, like you said, yep. steak dinner. Like, it's just start it. Get me out of prison. <laughs> see, see where that leads. Work it down to a steak bar, a steak dinner, maybe with a Mars bar for dessert. I mean, that's only like $2, so they can probably, you know, fit that one in there for you. Yeah, but I'm with terrible negotiating skills on these. I think part. if you yeah if you negotiate yourself out of a, a of a good deal then you know you you don't deserve it you don't even deserve the Mars bar so yeah, um, yeah. I guess if you ever find yourself in such a situation aim high yeah Listeners, that, that Listeners, is our that's our life lesson to you on this episode one forty three in the Moose, Moose and Runes podcast um, Matt I got nothing left for you except kind of a, a snarky one here buy or sell the Bears waste a, uh, a draft pick on an overweight tight end yeah probably. Okay. They'll, 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 they'll probably take one that they you know think they like early, and then later on there'll be some. We think that, four know. years from now he can be a fantastic asset. To yeah, pretty much. And then yeah. two years from now he won't be on the roster anymore. That was fun. Thanks. Thanks for bringing this down. We, we were on a high note with the Mars bars. That's all I got. Swiss rolls. And you come back with that. Sorry, I got you ex- excited with confection treats, and then brought you uh, back. I'm not gonna. Right. I'm not gonna lie. I googled Swiss roll here to see what uh, I forgot who makes it. It's Little Debbie. Um, uh-huh. th- there's a recipe here for something called a Swiss roll cake. Wow. I'm not gonna lie, it looks really good. Looks nice. Yeah, it looks pretty okay. Good. So maybe you make the request of a Swiss roll cake. There you go. That's of, better. Yeah. Hey, see, Google Swiss roll people. See that recipe for the cake? That's what I want. Then I'll then I'll spare this guy's ear. Shoot for the stars. There you go. Yeah. Always. Some, uh, if you, gotta, you don't hit, you might hit the moon. Got anything else for the people? What do you got today? What's what's your Sunday? What's your Sunday working? What are you, you gonna hit some balls again? Nice enough out right there to do that. Iced coffee, maybe a little, uh, let some errands. You know, there you go. No, no rush to do anything today, Matt. Nice little Sunday. You gotta love yeah, that. Nice little Sunday. Can't complain. Might just uh, do a little online shopping, book some flights for the stream song, Ooh. stream song trip here uh, for it's coming golf up. trip, golf trip twenty twenty. Get those get those flights knocked out. Um, and, you know, just just great day to be great, you know. Thankful to be here. Hey, be great today. All right, you too, Matt. That's going to do it for episode 143 of the Moose Ruth Podcast. For Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso. We will see you next week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.